Hello, welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I am Chris, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Yes, we call it the Cat Cave because I have a cat, and she generally bothers us while we're trying to record. Uh, her name is Belle, and I love her very much. Well, thank you, new and old listeners alike, for downloading this episode. I Can I please recommend that you browse around and check out some past episodes? Since you are listening to Nate Peavy, why don't you listen to his first time on the podcast? It was a ton of fun, and we had a lot of laughs. Make sure you hit subscribe on the old iTunes or however it is that you listen to this. Uh, we can be found on the web at letschat.tumblr.com. We have a Facebook, facebook.com slash, let, slash let's us chat. And as always, we are sponsored by There's the Rub. If you leave us an iTunes review, I will personally send you a spice rub of your chosen courtesy of There's the Rub at There's the Rub.com. And if you're curious, they do do, uh, they deliver via the mail. A uh, little backstory for this episode. Uh, we, we, we touch upon it in the episode, but uh, Nate and I knew each other and then just kind of lost contact because we didn't, and uh, maybe two weeks the week before we recorded this, we went to Luxburger, and it was fucking great. And Nate and I just get along really well. Um, one thing I set out when we first started the podcast, Mike and I, was that I was just like, A, I wanted to reconnect with old friends, and B, I really wanted to make some new friends. And the podcast has helped me do both of those things. And Nate is, uh, it's pretty obvious that this is a, like, it's like a new friendship forming, and a lot of it is due to hang out for the podcast. And he was so nice to come on and talk about such... A heavy topic. This was the most open and honest and revealing episode for, I, I'm probably for Nate, but it's for me as well. Um, we listened to it with a fine toothpick and had to decide what we wanted to put out there and what not to. I remember when we when I first started doing the show, I was like, had all these things I would never ever say. I don't want to say this. I don't want to say that. And I thrown a lot of that out the window and just kind of opened up and I feel really comfortable, and if you're wondering what I'm talking about, you're going to have to listen to the whole episode, because I ain't giving that away right here. Um, you know, please just continue to support the show by downloading some episodes, and write that iTunes review, and get your free there's a rub. Well, uh, also, I want to say the reason that I switched the theme music was actually an influence uh, from Nate. We weren't recording, but we were hanging out before we recorded, and he kind of had the idea of using different clips of Girl Talk songs. And if you don't know who Girl Tack is, he's a fantastic mashup artist. And I just kind of rolled with it for the last episode when we had uh, my parents on. I took that little bite of uh, James Taylor. So uh, all of Girl Talk's music is for free. Uh, I believe it's on illegalart.net or just Google Girl Talk. The song that we're going to use for this intro is the famous Notorious B.I.G. Elton John mashup on the Night Ripper album. I believe the song is called Smash Your Head. Thank you so much for listening. Here's your episode, uh, a three-peat with Nathan Peavy. Remember rapping Duke, the hard, the hard, you never thought that hip-hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight, cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Debris. Funk, Master Flex, Love Bug, Star Ski. At first, when I we started the show, I was like, "Well, it doesn't matter. No one's ever gonna hear this shit." And now I have like proof that that's not true. And then I get like really self conscious when I listen back to them. Like, I, you wouldn't believe how many times I stutter or say the wrong thing. 
If it makes you feel better, it's probably all the same person. It's just one person. Yeah, thing. every time. That would make me feel worse somehow. You know, um, it's weird because uh, it's been downloaded multiple times internationally, and I don't know how. Well, a couple I know why, because it's like people have been on, and they, they have friends international, or like my friend Ashley had like a lot of Tumblr followers, but like randomly someone downloaded it from like, Ukraine and like Cyprus. I was like, how? how? I don't think there's podcast bots. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think there's like a bot out there just downloading every episode in the world. Like, ah! So I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Like some kind of... Uh, I'm, trying to th- I'm trying to think of what possible scam there could be to downloading every, every podcast, but I'm not really coming up with anything. No, there's none, right? And you're like, oh, listen an hour and a half of casual conversation with people I don't know. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find out where they live and rob that... eventually someone's gonna say their bank account numbers online (laughs) you just know if you listen long enough it's bound to happen four zero no i can't even be right don't they all start with zero or ones um well i mean mine starts with (laughs) (laughs) let's just get things off the top you're nathan pv and what is your social security number address (laughs) license number but how does that work because if i stole your social i don't know what to do with it i wouldn't even know how to use it um, I mean, you can probably, like, sign up for credit cards, I think. Oh. Something like that. Oh. Is that illegal? Credit card fraud? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you can do okay, it anytime you want to. Okay, you're here for our, our legal advice portion of the episode of Nathan Peavy. <laughs> Welcome to Mad Money with Nathan Peavy. <laughs> I fucking hate that show. <laughs> now, do you do, like, 24-hour news? No, not really. I, no, I don't even have cable. Yeah, I... I had cable for a little while. I watched some news. I got really mad at it, and then... And now I just have Netflix and mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, and I'm a very happy person. You don't do the... I, see, I do Netflix, Amazon... Uh, no, Hulu Plus, and then uh, I have an HBO Go p- account, so it lets us use. And then it's Apple TV, so there's a lot of cool stuff on there. For sure. But Amazon's not on there, but it's on my, but it's on my PS3. See, Amazon has both The Wire, and it has um, all of the original Wallace and Gromit movies, which... They even had like some old Nickelodeon shows. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. They have such a bizarre collection. Did you do it for the content or for the um, the delivery? Um, I did it because my roommate's girlfriend has it. Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> I just wonder because like I like I'm obsessed. Like yeah, sorry, yeah, big up on it. Like ugh. up on it, up on it. Like um, we did a, a Bob's Burgers episode. And like so, like me and Ashley were like the two people who watched it like on Netflix, and then Brandon like watches it like on reruns in Cartoon Network. And I was like, and we're all within the same age range, but we all like consume the same program and have the deep seated love for it. But like, we're it's just the way media is being taken in is so different now. Like I even talked like even like Ashley's younger than me. Who's she's been Ashley Hogue? She's been on a couple times. She's awesome, but she like watches YouTube for like entertainment and i only watch youtube if i'm like i want to see this music video this 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 and that and that's it yeah sometimes i watch it for entertainment i mean it's becoming that i think it's great yeah it's a it's a weird thing because um a lot of like really old kind of like eclectic movies are not uh, that like aren't going to be on netflix are just posted in their entirety on youtube and it's probably illegal but i'm pretty okay with that no, I don't disagree. Well, Disney Channel had put up uh, all of the Gargoyles cartoon <laughs> for for le- legally on YouTube. Huh. 
Just like, there you go. I mean, yeah, I guess you can do that. But if you're a company, does that make sense if you own this intellectual property and like to make at least a penny off some advertising then just let it sit in a vault? Because this yeah. way, they don't have to license it. They don't have to put it on a DVD and manufacture. They don't have to pay for the music licensing. It's just like, Yeah, whatever. and it kind of lets them... Um what is it where you like protect your own copyright by yeah. like, continually profiting off a of, off a piece of work? It's like how yeah. um, it's like how companies will have to drag something into court over copyright claims, even mm. if they don't really care. Because if mm-hmm. they let it slide, then like they kind of have not protecting their copyright on the record, so it's harder to defend that in the future when they do actually care. I read that's why Spider Man, the Amazing Spider Man, got made. That yeah, whoever was it, DC? I don't know. Um, Sony. Owned it, and if they didn't use it by a certain date, it would yeah, be it, it gone to uh, to Marvel control. Same deal with uh, Fantastic Four; they're making another Fantastic Four movie, and oh. those movies bombed. They did horribly, and they're still making them just because they want to maintain the uh, the copyright. Well, wouldn't that. you want to own a franchise like right now? If you're in the yeah, that's, for real, right? Did you see Guardians? I have not seen Guardians. Yeah, it was so great because I am a terrible nerd. <laughs> I, I don't see like a lot of movies. My nerd card. Yeah, well, I'll revoke it. Well, maybe maybe it's not because it's so popular and mainstream. It might be full and not. Be, oh, I'm like it, so I can be like a hipster nerd. Okay. Yeah, hipster nerd. That's, that's different. It's because like I don't know if Star Wars is considered nerd culture, but I mean it obviously is because you can go pretty far with it. Yeah, but like everyone likes Star Wars. That's true. Like you know, but I like casually like Star Wars. Like I like Star Wars, but then like my brother-in-law is someone who's like read the books and like can tell you how Chewbacca died and Planet <laughs> Zorgon or whatever the fuck Chewbacca died. What? By, by the way, in the books. But, but I guess none of that, as he explained to me on uh, the new movie with J.J. Abrams, is not including any of that. That whole canon and the the literature aspect of it doesn't exist. So this is, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean. On the one hand, J.J. Abrams, but on the other hand, you can't kill Chewbacca. What the hell? I had no idea. I didn't know that Star Wars continued that long. Yeah, I, I kind of thought the prequels had killed people's interest in it. Yeah, right? there's like hundreds and hundreds. Maybe I could be wrong, but there's books that go on that continue the world, and like, oh my, um, to plug it with our Matthew Pasinich episode the first time, <laughs> he is he kind of explained it to me. And oh, you met my brother-in-laws. At, yeah, I think so. They're super nerdy and awesome. <laughs> they brought us to Comic Con, and we're gonna go to New York Comic Con. Ooh, that's really sweet. I went to the Rhode Island Comic Con. Me too. Uh, no, last we, year? Uh, yeah, we must have missed each other. I only went on Sunday because I, I don't know, it was yeah. money. I think. And I think I didn't like Saturday. Saturday was the better day, but we both had to work, and it wasn't something I cared enough about to take a day off from. I didn't really know what it was. Yeah, I ended up loving it, but there was that shooting at LAX. So all the big guests had to cancel, and they had to scramble. So, like, I, I, I did a weekend at Bernie's reunion, but that was Saturday. I missed that. I, they had a couple other stars like that, which I didn't understand because, like, on the one hand, I mean, sure, the dudes from Weekend at Bernie's are cool enough, but, like, like I don't have a problem with them. But what yeah. are they doing at Comic-Con exactly? I, I don't I, know. Do, are you, they making a Weekend at Bernie's comic? No, I, but I think that's, like, a thing. Like, you get into one of those movies. Like, the mom from Back to the Future was there. <laughs> Like you could probably make your living being that. Oh, if you're fortunate to be in one of the biggest movie franchises in the entire history of film, you can the rest of your life just travel in the country, going to these little cons, getting people to spend thirty dollars to get your picture with you. Yeah, I would. I mean, if somebody wanted to pay thirty dollars for my name, I I'd be pretty into that. I'm at the point this where it's an open call to anyone yeah. listening to this. By the way, $30. I would actually pay someone thirty dollars to take a picture with me at this point <laughs> in my life. But like, there was someone who I really liked. Uh, Phil Lamar was there. 
But I did because he's like a voice actor. Yeah. And I really wanted to talk to him, but I was like, I don't want to spend 30 bucks. And you know, it's not like his fault. It's like there's like the right. contract I mean, to even be there. It's like. Yeah. And I mean, he's paying for the table and stuff. Yeah. So like that. There's like a whole system. And yeah. So like I felt great, but I want, but like, and then I get weird around celebrities where I'm like, I don't want to freak out, but I almost want to like become up like big. I don't care. I want to be your friend. <laughs> and then I just never really talked to him. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I don't know. I don't know how a person asks for an autograph from a person. I, I can't do it. I'm too scared. Yeah. Never. Like, no, I'm not even scared in the sense that I'm like, oh my God, they're somebody that I've seen on like the moving pictures. <laughs> the moving. I don't, I don't, talkies. Yeah. I'm, I, I've seen talkies starring this person. Like, I don't care about that. It's just like, how do you just walk up to a, any random person and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, I'm here to bother you. What's up? Yeah, it's like, can we be friends, please? Yeah. Hello, I, random stranger. Let's I, be I, let's be buds. Yeah, because at the core of it, they're still strangers to me, and that's what it's weird. And unfortunately, I don't run into celebrities that frequently, so it's not really a problem. Right, I mean... It, it's happened enough where I've had to experience it, but like, I just... Well, mostly when I met someone famous, I don't know who they are until afterwards. But have you noticed nobody ever looks the same? Like, yeah. where you work, like, you probably have had some run-ins of the fame comes through. Yeah. Do you ever recognize people though when it happens? Um, it usually takes me takes me a second, but it always takes me for them to leave and someone to walk up and tell me who I was just talking to. <laughs> Be like, do you know who that was? Like, no, uh, that was yeah, Viola the, Davis, or that was Ever James Olmos. <laughs> yeah, the best I get is like I will I'll think to myself like, huh, that person looks kind of familiar. Oh well, and then mm-hmm. I met the Fray one time for a while, and they. We're like going from Hartford to New York doing, and um, they were just really, but they weren't like trying to get recognized as like celebrities. It was just more like they bought the guy in front of them, caught behind him coffee because they're taking a while. They're really nice. And then I kind of figured it out. I was like, I actually know who you are. I was like, so where are you from? You look really familiar. And the singer was like, we're actually in a band called The Fray. Like, he was, like, kind of not put off, just, like, very quiet. And then they, they got, like, really happy about it. Like, oh, thanks, man. Oh, and nice. then we, like, talked about music for a little bit. Because they actually worked at Starbucks. So it's just weird. No way. But isn't like, it weird? Collectively? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a couple of them were baristas before the band took off. That's so funny. It is always odd to think that, like, I w- not that I ever think I'll be famous and don't intend to be. But like your interact, like if you meet a celebrity for thirty seconds to two minutes, you you make an entire snap judgment of their personality, and then we'll go tell people about it. Like, yeah, I, there's a very like odd feeling of like ownership over over. It's uh it, yeah, it, it I think it people get the impression that like they kind of already know a famous person because they've seen them on things. Yeah. So you kind of build that combined with their like one tiny appearance in your real life. And we're normal people, but you have to think there's actual nutty people who walk up and ask for autographs and be like, do this, do that bit, do that thing. Like, yeah. They try to control you in a weird way. It's, yeah, it's the strangest damn thing. And then you understand why people live in like rarefied air. Yeah, right. I, I get, I can be nervous just walking alone. I wouldn't imagine being recognizable must be like, I, sometimes you just don't want to fucking talk. Yeah, for real. Like, I can definitely understand why some celebrities are known as jerks because they probably hate their fans. Yeah. Because, like, I know for a fact that if I were walking around, like, listening to my iPod or something, I would not want someone coming up to me and asking me to do bits. That's just not really where I'm at. I don't have any bits to do. (laughs) So I'd be like, uh, uh, uh." (laughs) and sometimes you're just trying to get coffee. 
Yeah, for real. Or something. Like, what if you were just doing your laundry and somebody was like, hey, hey man, do, do that scene you did. It's like, no. Uh, I don't know how to handle this social interaction. Uh, who have you guys, who have you met, like, through the, where you work? Um, I have met Joaquin Phoenix. Recently? Recently, yeah. Was it, when he was coming through, when he was um, with uh, Woody Allen doing. Was Woody there too? No. <laughs> Nothing quite that exciting. I don't know if I would want to talk to Woody Allen because, like, the, the whole yeah, pedof- he's the pedophilia stuff. He's a um, he's a sex creep, <laughs> but he also might not be. Um, but he he's, probably is. He's definitely a sex creep. <laughs> yeah, isn't there like <laughs> he's like I don't know. Regardless of any other any other like information he still did divorce his wife to marry his adopted daughter so like yeah i forgot about that that was a 100% real thing that happened why why does why do people like that get like a pass actually going to bring this up as a transition um have you seen any of john allor's show on hbo fucking perfect absolutely outstanding right like it, incredible it's I like that he takes uh, a problem and then just breaks it down immensely yeah and he's like he's so like He's very, very even-handed. Like he's clearly got his own opinion about how about what everything is, but he always presents both sides of the argument, and mm-hmm. he says the, and it's just it's a great show. It's amazing. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you are currently watching The Wire. Yeah, I am. Which, when you finish the whole year like, on season three, basically, I'll, I'll come back on the show once I finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, I can spend a year on that. <laughs> but what I love about The Wire is it, it is which is similar to the or like sexual assaults in colleges or how it's dealt in rape culture. It's just basically how the system fails you. Like that whole series is ultimately about how here's the system, here's who it serves, and here's who it fails, and it shows every broad yeah, strokes it, of it. And you will see more if you see the whole se- when you see the whole thing too as well. For sure. But you can already see that in like season one is all about how the drug war has failed. Yeah, it's so great because like it shows how it fails kind of everyone. It sh- it's failed and, the police. It has yeah, failed the citizens. Like the whole thing I'm do- that I'm on in season three, spoiler alert, from a show from 2002. Um, <laughs> Don't you love doing that? I spoiler know. alert, if you haven't seen... If you haven't seen a show from 12 years ago, or then, like, let's like, then I want to take make your an headphones old movie. out now. <laughs> spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Casablanca. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie from 1940, whatever. <laughs> Citizen Kane, everyone. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it sucks. Or what? <laughs> I actually really liked. Yeah, I never even saw it. I fell asleep. Or I, w- I wish I could remember the name of that. Uh, the name of one of the, that very first movie that was ever in theaters, where it's just a train. Comes yeah, I think it's called the Great Train Robbery. Yeah, spoiler alert, everyone: the train goes into the station. Um, <laughs> Sorry, um, that's so great. Um, but yeah, it's in even early on in season three. It's all about this person who is manipulating the mayor into making sure that the police station just has recruits, just has police. I know. And, like, in order to do that, he had to, like, do dirty behind-the-scenes dealing just to have just to have a class with cops in it that were ready yeah. to become police at the end I of know. the year. And it's, and, like, that's just, that's crazy. Season four, it's great because it kind of loops back to the drug war and the school systems, but then you get to see how the drug war affects uh, children. The kids who grow up in Baltimore. Oh, geez. That's going to be a fun one. Well, like, I mean, economically, the drug war, like, like it's like all the industry has left Baltimore, and then this multi-billion dollar industry, which is illegal, is in your front yard. Yeah, I mean, and, like, where, what, what do you, what do you, where else are you going to go for work? What do you do? Like, this kid, you know, they, they call them, um, 
the corner kids and the stoop kids, which you'll get to, but I won't get too far with that. <laughs> but I, I just, I always have this obsession of reading how like governments or institutions fail people, and something I like to read about. There's like a really cool thing with like the city of Chicago to avoid a like a deficit. They decided to sell all of their parking meters to like um, some financial like J.P. Morgan. Yeah, I think I heard about that. But then while doing that, they lose all the future income, and then the next day, all of the prices just jacked up on all the meters from like a dollar to two dollars. Yeah, you know, nothing noticeable. But all of a sudden, a private institution is now now getting paid money to park on public streets that you pay for. Yeah, it's it's um, very odd. But so, um, not to mention that all that stuff inevitably winds up costing more money than you make out of it in the first place. Yeah, it's like the uh, the private prison problem. Oh, the fact Oliver that did such a good job on that. It, it's, I'm sorry. Did you see John Oliver's take with uh, private prisons? I did. Yeah, that poor girl, and because the, they oh they God. privatize everything, right? And then everyone fails. It, it ends up failing almost everybody. Yeah, not only does it fail by like any reasonable metric, but also <laughs> it winds up costing the state more money in subsidies for these private. For these private companies. Yeah, privately run prisons <laughs> yeah. that have multiple human rights uh, uh, violations and things. Like the girl who got uh, C-section and they fixed her with sugar. Yeah. I wish I was kidding. I know. It's like like the reason that I laugh there is just because it's it's what else can you possibly do? It's, I know. Just, it's just like, oh, yep, okay, this unbelievably horrifying thing happened. You, like. I like uh, Oliver, too, because they also pick issues of things I wouldn't know, like Money Tree or the lo- private loan system you can do, pay day. Oh, yeah, that's a really good episode. I, I didn't know that. It, I didn't know those existed. Yeah, not only do they exist, but they're like, they're, it's like a billion-dollar industry. Yeah, it, it's funny how there can still be secrets in 2014, even though it's openly publicly traded information. Yeah, you'd think <laughs> a lot of this, you'd think that a lot of, a lot of, uh, or a lot of comp- what am I trying to say? Uh, that you'd think that what a lot of industries like that just wouldn't be able to exist in in this day and age, just because people are becoming increasingly well informed, and it's, no. it's so much easier to be informed and but, misinformed simultaneously. Yeah, it's true. It's hard. But yeah, to, it's I, hard to sieve out uh, propaganda from reality. <laughs> I love that so so women like do anything but take one of these loans. <laughs> Literally pawn anything. anything. Pawn your stuff. Donate an organ. Because it's just like, I'm like huh. I got no stranger to being like not having enough money for something, but I've never done payday loans. Right, yeah. I, I wouldn't even, it would never occur to me because I just didn't know what they were. But then you learn about, if you think about marketing, they weren't marketed at me because I would be like, no, that's stupid. Yeah, exactly. Same way I never take a cash advance out with my credit card. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! I would never do that. <laughs> or send your uh, your bank account information to a um, Nigerian prince on over over your email. <laughs> the post prince of Nigeria emailed me directly. Yeah, how could I not help him? It was a direct email. That, that was an office quote. <laughs> oh my god! Um, wow, I can't believe that was the first thirty four minutes, and we didn't get into that. This is your third time on. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I should probably mention that. Hello, uh, welcome back. Don't call it a comeback. I was never here. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be the episode. Don't call it a comeback, Nathan Peavy. <laughs> Let's see how that works. Uh, amazing LL Cool J song, by the way. Mama said, knock you out. Of course. Do you remember that video? I actually don't. I'm... He's in a boxing ring, and it's like uh, almost like film noir, black and white. Oh, my God. I can picture it. And you see LL Cool J. I'm going to shut my eyes and picture it and just tell you everything. <laughs> just give like... me a, like, a second by second. Yeah, I do that to Victoria sometimes. Like, let me explain <laughs> to you something like that you don't care about. Why she's like, shut up. When we were on our honeymoon... We were driving back from the uh, a winery, I was so drunk because I had ice wine and I had on the lake, and there was like a cliff, 
and I just kept screaming for her to drive off the cliff like Thelma and Louise, <laughs> and then decided to tell her the entire plot of Thelma and Louise and how they don't need anyone but each other. And I grabbed her hand like, "Drive off the cliff." I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna like get killed, you might as well do it by drying up, driving. They don't need no man, even if it's a young Brad Pitt. I. Uh, Society's failed them, I, man. I can't relate to that. I mean, young Brad Pitt, come on. I know. It was a great movie. But like the opening scene of that video, it's just like a LL Cool J with like the mic that hangs on the thing. And it's just like him with the hood, and it's like black and white. And he goes, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Oh, And you could see like spit and sweat coming off of him. It's a really great shot. I would like to make that a painting. That's an odd statement. <laughs> Did you remember... Um, he, if, I don't even know if you could find this, but when MTV did Unplugged, I think... Nirvana was the most famous of them, and it was because it was the best Unplugged ever done in the world. Of course. But 10,000 Maniacs were also great and young, but uh, LL Cool J was like the first hip-hop artist to do it. I was really into hip-hop in the early 90s. Like I grew up in an urban area. Just throw it out there. Uh, I really loved LL Cool J. And I remember watching... It was the first time I ever saw hip-hop with instrumentation but he does that song when he goes don't call it a comeback i've been here for years like a fucking piano kicks in and like a horn section and the drums oh that's so cool it's if i can find that i should look on youtube it's so fun in the show notes if you can uh if i can find that i will if i don't i don't know how to illegally download things and that's not a joke i really just i did napster and then like limewire and then i stopped and i also stopped paying for music Ah. so i just kind of stopped listening to music as much and then um, streaming came around well, welcome back. Good to be um, back. You came on twice and pretty close together. Yeah, I did, pretty much. And then... Um, you had a few other episodes, but I think in your release order, they were back-to-back. They were. Uh, I forgot why. I, People I, couldn't get enough of me. Could be why. I have a terrible memory. <laughs> um, that was kind of early in the earlier days. Something to do with Mike. It was something with Mike. Not negatively towards him. It was um, an editing thing. Oh. Sometimes um, it just... There'll be like a, something technical will happen in an episode, and just sometimes some things just take while. longer to cut. For sure, I, I don't remember exactly why. And that episode, the second time, your first episode, I'll still hold is probably no offense, to anyone's come on is probably one of our best, if not, no, it's definitely one of the best. Oh, I agree completely. It, the first one, it was of course, you did. <laughs> but it was so fucking funny. <laughs> I think that it was a big step for Mike and I, and then he, uh, then he quit. <laughs> Well, he knows he quit. <laughs> it is but, what it is. Yeah, which was nothing. But like we got, we hung out a bunch, and then I met you through that. But then like you like just deleted Facebook, and then Mike quit, and then I was like, huh, I wonder what happened to Nate. I don't know. I didn't know your phone number, <laughs> and even though it's 2014, I didn't put any effort forth. I was like, I guess he doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I just kind of uh, <laughs> I slipped into the void for a while. And yeah, I, and then I. Stepped on back in. And then you were back on Facebook, and then we started talking again, and then we went out to dinner last week, and it was, it was awesome. We did. Luxburger. But we tried to go to Ken's. <sighs> Ken's. Ken's. I'm going to come visit you sometime. Someday. I know. That was fun. We all went to Ken's. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. God, I fucking loved it so much. <laughs> um, but so when we were at dinner, we talked about... We, um, we could take out whatever, but it, we both kind of discovered that we, it was our therapy day. Yep. <laughs> and I'm always the best version of me on therapy day. For sure. Me too. And we talked a lot about depression. Um, is that something you wanted to touch again? I don't yeah. Know I mean, you. no, but absolutely. Um, okay, that's another touchy subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a heavy ass episode, man. Yeah. But I like heavy stuff. Me too. It's, and sometimes I, I mean, at the very time. least I can make jokes about this one. It, <laughs> 
So, yeah, I mean, I think Chris is, both Chris and I have um, dealt with depression on and off for a very long time. And uh, I, I never actually have. I'm sorry. Dang. Well, well I've dealt with depression on no, and off for well, a very long time. I don't want to come off as like I've gone through something I didn't do. I, 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 I go for, sure. for, I've had anxiety. That's definitely something. But I actually, I've been depressed, but not, I, I don't, right. I, yeah. I just don't want to like come off as I don't want to lie to oh. people. Well, I guess I should start over then. No, yeah. that's fine. I, I um I really appreciate you talking honestly about something because I think it's something we don't know a lot about as a whole. And I work in mental health, and I still don't think I really truly understand depression. Yeah, um, it's just I don't know something I've dealt with for a really long time, and um, I finally I the, that that time between becoming being that between. The time between the last time I was on and now, I was pretty much like dealing with that and um, and working on getting that treated. Can you explain what it's actually like being depressed? Because that's honestly, I, I outside of like going through funks and having pe- like a few weeks here and there, I really think people don't understand what depression is. Because I think there's people that then tell you to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you just got the blues, but it's it's not that. Like you can not, yeah, that's, that's you can't. You're not controlling what you're going through. Yeah, that's bullshit. Um, it's um, I compare it almost to, and this is a little hard to explain to anyone who hasn't experienced it. But it's not like feeling bad. It's like feeling the like evil mirror world version of good. Mm-hmm. It's like how when. You know how when you will you'll experience something that you really like, you know, you'll 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 somebody will be talking to and you just really are enjoying it and there's like kind of that physical sensation in your head of it feeling good. Yeah. Like you like there's like a there's just like a general glow that you feel that you like you're like this feels really good to be hearing this music or talking to this person or just doing whatever. Um it's like that feeling except it's bad. And um, Yeah. Except, yeah, it's for, like, bad stuff. So it makes it, um, it's incredibly exhausting and difficult to not get drawn in by it when you when you feel bad. Like, that feeling starts kicking in when you feel bad, and it's like a, it's like a whirlpool. It just pulls you in and pulls you in. And it is um, kind of, kind of possible to, like, make yourself function when you're feeling that way. You can... Um, you know, you can you can pull yourself out of it enough to like do things depending on who you are, but it's just not something you can. Do. That's not something that anyone can deal with like day after day. If it's when that kind of feeling is persistent, like there's just really nothing you can do. Wow, that's that's, that's awful. <laughs> no, I I don't even mean to laugh. No, but you mean, come off as like a happy person. Yeah, I think a lot of people with and depression I think do. That's the thing about it. Like, you probably wouldn't know. Like, do you, um, when you're in like a depressive state, can you put on like a, the mask and like go through life? Like, not yeah, like a absolutely. sociopath by any means, but like, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been sad and, and I can. I mean, it's be it's happy. been something I've been dealing with since um, since my late teens. So, Were you like, for dealing about, with it, what you say back then, or just experiencing it and not actually taking care of it? Uh, experiencing what, it, not taking care of it. Like, you know, it like just, many, 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 many absolutely. people do. Yeah, no, I, I didn't mean, take care of my anxiety until I don't know, like months ago. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm the, I'm the same way. I didn't just I didn't take care of it, and I just said like, this is going to go away eventually. And then ten years later, it hadn't gone yeah. away. And uh, how do you think it affect your developmental years, um, like socially and stuff? Not too well. <laughs> Did you like miss a lot of like social events because just yeah, you feel like you you definitely like 
you feel a little bit like you missed out on a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like I'm on, I'm on medication now and it's, um, things are, things are looking up. That's just so wonderful. Were you ever like suicidal? I and mean, that's, that's too far. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, well, it's, and, I mean, I, I've known someone who had committed suicide and I found out afterwards that he was an alcoholic and not taking, and un, I think he was either undiagnosed or was recently diagnosed bipolar. Yeah. Have you ever known someone bipolar? And it's weird when you can see the on and off switch with someone. I've actually never known anyone who's bipolar. It's, I I genuinely don't have a lot of experience with people with uh, mental mental illnesses in my life. Yeah, I, I'm talking about personal friends with bipolar. It's awesome because there's one day you see them and you love them because it's the best version of someone you've ever seen your entire life. Yeah, they're just crazy manic and. But you don't realize the mania if you're not like trained. And I I, I had no idea. And like I love this person. I love this person. Thing. And then I would hear stories about the lows. I was like, really? That's so-and-so? I don't want to say their name. Yeah, because I mean, I of like, course huh? they're, not, they're not like leaving their house when they're... Yeah, you don't see the low. Yeah. And then it's, it's tough even having friends like that. Like, now you weren't, but you're, you seem like, I think a lot of like artists and comics or people like deal with that stuff. But a lot of people like use the drugs, sex, and alcohol to medicate. Yeah. You don't come off as the drugger, boozer, alcoholic, womanizer either. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I never really was. I was never a, um, which is good. Right. No, I, n- I never went the, the hedonism route. I just, uh, yeah. I just, I guess I just kind of tried to knuckle up and like deal with it. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, word to anyone who's listening to that, to this, who may be dealing with that themselves, uh, doesn't work. No, like, categorically does not work. So now we can talk about what we can, I can, I can relate with this on you is, um, diagnose or finding out there's just something you're not happy. Um, for what happened to me is like, I come from parents who are anxious. I don't think that's a secret. Yeah. And then um, I definitely had bits of social anxiety or anxiety. I don't know. What it would I'm actually not even formally diagnosed with anything of that regards. But uh, at different periods of my life, like when I transferred colleges, I know I went through like a depression and was medicating, which was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Um, not with actual the, the real medications, but um, I just like it must. I think it was after the wedding. It was just one day I was. I've had bouts where I've been more anxious than other times and I've been not anxious and that's been hitting me more in there. And then I was just, there was like a good solid like month or a week consistently where I was just really anxious and I didn't know why. And it was over nothing. And I had like a panic attack while I was like lying on my bed one night. And it was after the wedding. So sometimes I used to always have this thing where I have this thought where like if something really good happened, I some, I'd have to be sad and be bad the right. next day of or course. after. And so it was post-wedding. I think everything was kind of hitting and just settling down, which is a really great, wonderful event. But after it happened, I think when things started to normalize, I just like couldn't handle it. Right. You start thinking about like when's that other shoe going to drop. And all yeah. At you. I've always had that. Um, I think part of it is because I kind of like, grew up sick because I have like a heart condition. Yeah. Some other medical. I had other like a. It was called, it's called a sebaceous nevus. Very short. It was basically a mole on the top of my head that can produce cancer cells. I had it removed a few times and like very early on. But like you get labeled as like sick. And I, so I actually, fortunately, I went to like these really cool summer camps for kids with heart conditions that were free for the families, and I worked there for a number of years. The flip side was I had a lot of really good friends die at a young age. Yeah. And that really just kind of eventually really got to me. And I don't think I felt one of them. And the person, my good friend Ken, who had actually committed suicide, we worked there together. 
And he had died, and then a month later, my good friend Sean died of terminal cancer, and he was 20. Oh, my God, dude. I was just oh boy, so depressed. But then yeah. it's been like four years. Just uh, and there's definitely I said I spent a three week period obsessed with thinking of suicide and death, not committing suicide, but about suicide. Right. And then I had this dream, and I was like, I'm great. But then the, the rest of the year, like four, there's like at least three or four years where every time the phone rang, I'm like, who's dead? And family members. And then eventually, now I'm like kind of like a little bit farther into the therapy journey. I don't have that feeling anymore. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Really, it's really incredible. Like it's this revelatory experience because you're like, wait, I just I can just not feel like shit all the time. Yeah. Like imagine that. Like you can just not feel like shit. <laughs> I can be nervous and then identify why. And then you're like, oh, I'm nervous because of this, and now I'm just and now I just don't feel like shit anymore. Yeah, like I can handle it. Like what is that? Right? <laughs> it's okay. And. You know what? This is like so stupid, such like a non-research thing. You know how I found like the person I see? She's a licensed mental health, a holistic mental mental health, a licensed mental health counselor. I went to my insurance website. I typed it in. She was the closest one to my house. I was next to a coffee shop I liked, and I was like, "I'll go here." <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and then I liked her. Yeah, but I remember in college. There's you know there's a college the therapist in college I remember thinking of going to see him and I had to see him for a different reason like um, socially not like through therapy at all right. just didn't like him and if you don't like your therapist you can't work with him of course and I don't know I should have just took care of things yeah I mean well it's a tough thing because there are a lot of there are a lot of I think that the process of like getting treatment is just unnecessarily terrifying and i blame in part i blame like you know everyone always talks about like stigmatization of mental illness and that's a factor but in part it's also because there's you know this idea of like what's going to happen to you that gets spread around on in like movies and tv that kind of thing where you know you think that if you if you go to your college counselor and you say i'm having some like really really dark issues and he goes "Mm -hmm, have you thought about hurting yourself and you're like you know, I have a little bit. And it's like, all right, well, you're expelled from college now. Yeah. Because, because, and, like, that's probably not going to happen. Like, to, yeah. to be, like, in real life, that probably isn't going to happen. Or, I mean, in my case, I decided that, like, the smartest thing to do was I, I had had, like, a fairly major depressive episode where all of a sudden, you know, things have been kind of not, things have been kind of on, a, like, a downward slope, and then all of a sudden I just had this, like, horrendous night and where I was just, like, incredibly gloomy and just things weren't really going well. So I just said, you know what, like, I just need to go to a hospital. Like, I want to check myself into the ER. I don't know what's going to happen. And it was the most terrifying experience of my life because I had no idea what was going to happen. All I had seen on... All I had seen in TV and movies where, you know, they come in, they, they say, oh, you're thinking about hurting yourself. You're going to, we're going to handcuff you to the bed. We're going to force you to be here over and we're going to like keep you here because we, because we need to observe you. And I'm like, oh God, what do I even say to these people to make them not think that I'm like a danger to myself or others to keep them from like, you know, tying me down and like, and you know, injecting a syringe into my neck. And it's like, no, they were super nice. <laughs> they were completely understanding. They're like, oh, how are you feeling? And I'm like, here's exactly how I'm feeling. And they said, oh, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then they just outlined everything. Everything was taken care of. It was a goddamn wonderful experience. Oh, it's so nice to hear. And like, and like I said, I was terrified and I feel like a lot of people probably have the same, have the same fear and it probably keeps them away. And 
Well, they're not wrong in that fear because that's actually how it used to be. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh my but, god! But the, your story is so be- that's beautiful. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Because I, <laughs> as I said, I work in mental health and I've had to like make the phone call to have someone else get someone committed. So I've seen that stage. But I don't know what happens in the hospital. I have no idea. I'm just so happy to hear it was just like do this, this, and that. You're good to go. Yeah, they were super friendly and. Yeah. They, they, and you didn't, and you felt human, like you didn't feel like you were being dehumanized. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I mean, felt like, I mean, I'm sure there are some, like, it has to be the case that some places are better than others. Oh, of course, there have to of be course. some places that don't give a crap about you, and that, and that could very well happen. The worst case scenario can happen to people, but I mean, at the very least, for my experience, it just, like, I went in, they did a quick assessment, and they talked to me like a human being. They weren't like looking for keywords, like you know, if I said the wrong word by accident, all of a sudden I was under lockdown or something. They were yeah. nice. They were totally understanding, and it was a great experience. Isn't nice to know too, like whatever I don't want to use the word wrong, but whatever you were not dealing with, not as bad as it could have been. Absolutely, like not to take it away from your experience is your experience, and whatever you have to go through is what you go through, but. Reality is like you know what we what you and I are talking about. I like I always go for, for the extremes. Like what I think I had wrong in quotations. It could have been so much worse. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, I had such fear taking care of something so. I'm going to call what I have small because I would say anxiety to the level I had. It was relatively. No, I mean, absolutely. Ben. Relatively like, small. You just said a minute ago, like you have a heart condition, and imagine putting that kind of like yeah. dealing with uh, frequent panic attacks. Imagine the kind of stress that would put on your heart. Oh yeah, that too. That's, I had like one and. Two my entire life, yeah, and I was like, too afraid. I was like, I, I gotta see it there. I, but people have to go with like real shit, like what you had to go through, or people or have more consistent things. Like I had to fight stigma that was almost non-existent. <laughs> In fact, what is this episode twenty something? I didn't even want to use. I didn't even mention going to therapy. Well, I didn't, wasn't going to therapy when the show started. I forgot when it started, but I was even made like a rule to. I don't know if I was, Mike was on the show. I mean, myself, I wouldn't even talk about it on there. Like, not gonna happen. Never going to happen. And then one episode uh, with John Tomolo, we were talking, and he was just being really open and really honest about a lot of things. And I was like, well, I need to share a part of my life. And I was like, I'll cut it out. <laughs> and then it was actually my wife. She's like, there's nothing to be ashamed about going to therapy. I was like, you're right. I really love it. Yeah. I, I love therapy day. Me too. Man. I look forward to it. Like, you you even pointed it out when we met up for, for dinner afterwards. Like, <laughs> like I walk differently when I make it out of therapy. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm just yeah. like, like, I, I, I start, like, strutting when I'm out. I feel good. I... Yeah, let me share that story, because I had not seen you in a, a while. Well, it was winter in Providence. You don't see anyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so I was waiting outside. I got to Ken's. I had to do something downtown, so I got there a little early. And then I end up getting to the restaurant early, so I was just leaning against a post. And um, I saw you from afar, and I you didn't have your hat on, but I didn't know it was you. And only because you were completely straight up, shoulders up, very broad, looking very confident. And you kept getting closer. I'm like, that is not neat. Like, you don't realize mannerisms in people until they change. Like, you don't even slouch, and you're not slubbish by any means. You're not like George Costanza. But they, <laughs> you walked like you were 10 feet tall that day. And I don't even know. If, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And, <laughs> and and I'm pretty hypersensitive, so I could pick up on it. I was like, "Nate looks great," <laughs> but I never thought you looked bad. But right, that, I that mean, was just, I just all of a sudden. But you saw me on therapy tape too, so I was much yeah, taller you, and yeah, more exactly. hyper aware. You were, yeah, you were, you were doing the same thing. You were holding. You were. You looked like you were taller, and it was yeah. Just, and I felt taller. Yeah, isn't absolutely. that a weird thing to say? Just it, saying the word "feel." Yeah, this is such an odd concept. But I actually have to pay someone to teach me how to use statements like "I feel." 
<laughs> just growing up as a male, you know, and that's true. Not macho or masculine male. Yeah, it affects you. Absolutely. I wasn't really bullied. Like, I think I had a pretty great life. There's yeah, I mean, I, like, I got picked on a little, but not like... Yeah, minimal for, like, for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it was never like anyone was, like, going out of their way to torment me or anything. Yeah. It was just like, you know, there was the standard, like, people were just... people. It was just like schoolyard kind of insults, like nothing... Yeah. And it was, like, nothing, nothing, um, nothing ongoing. I never felt like I was... I never felt like I was, like, being tormented. It was just totally like a totally normal childhood and yet somehow but yeah you get, but, you get that uh, kind of feeling like you can't uh i know i, I think that's i just had this thought as we're talking well i think that only proves that you can grow up normal and what we have it is normal maybe what we have isn't abnormal yeah i think so i think absolutely like i don't think i don't know with depression anxiety like they must have i don't know if they've always been around or if um it's like a relatively new i know the term is like relatively diagnosed but like I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to come from, like, human evolution of going from, like, anxiety and fear comes from, like, um, when, like, say you're... Hun- eaten by a tiger. Yeah, like, literally, like, hunter-gatherer, like, the early is, like, a fear of don't go there because I will be eaten by this. Well, I've read that um, they think that things like anxiety, things like obsessive-compulsive disorders are the result of sort of a, like, home-building home um, survival mechanism. It's the tendency to, like, obsessively do like ritualistic behaviors or you know things to calm yourself down and to to check and to double check and to triple check like yeah. you know things like your you know your to make sure your i guess your your fire is not going out so that you the so the saber toothed tigers stay away yeah and no, that's oh. like that's a real survival mechanism absolutely and, um, and now my comfort modern life <laughs> exactly I can get it's not giving you the saber toothed tiger attacks that you need yeah i'm not getting attacked by tigers <laughs> but rather i'll have to talk to a stranger i don't know <laughs> or I have a lot to do, or I can't afford something, or whatever. Whatever yeah. life is, I have to say a lot of the stuff. Um, I guess it's like uncovering trauma that we go through. And as my friend Lily has put it, there's like big T's and little T's, <laughs> big trauma and little trauma. And so like, even like there's some stuff that like I completely had forgotten about, and it wasn't even that big of a deal. But just talking about it in therapy that day, I came out feeling like a hundred pounds lighter. Oh yeah, I was I- like, oh yeah. I finally dealt with something I didn't t- think about for like all these years. For sure. I mean, I think the nice thing about therapy is that it's, you know, a lot of people, I think, I think even healthy people should go to it. Oh and God. I consider myself healthy, like mentally. And now I don't really have the anxiety I once had and I still just like to go. Yeah. It's just like, there's something very, very different about it because it's not like just having a conversation with a friend or like, even if you feel like you have a lot of support in your life and like a great support structure, I think it's still great to go to it just because it's the like one type of conversation that you'll have where there's just zero give and take. You don't have to give the slightest crap about what the other person thinks about you because it's not their job to make judgments about you. There's no, you don't have to reciprocate anything. You get to be completely selfish for like once in your life. Yeah, and, and, ab- and like you, you, you want to be completely selfish. Like you, uh, you just have that right. And I think that is just wonderful. Cause, I, cause it's like, no, it sounds a little mean to say it no, like it's, that, but it's like, it's completely true. Like everyone I think deserves the right to be, to be like completely selfish just in the, like once in, in this context, it doesn't, hurt anyone to do that it's what you it's what you want to do it's what you need to do 
and it makes you a better person and it makes you it makes you better to all the people around you uh, it's made my whole life better i've never been so happy Absolutely. even just today i'm like i'm just happy why i i, I don't know me too man <laughs> i like i've found myself like you know reaching out to people that i never that i like would have like knowing me in the past, a bunch of friendships that I know I would have dropped and just been like, "Oh, that sucks," and like felt sorry for myself for letting them go. And well, you reached out to me, and like we only like kind of half knew each other. And yeah, including this one, I was we, just we like, generally you know liked each other, but like we're, we're older, we're not in school, and if we had never talked again, it would have been like a. I mean, this sounds this doesn't sound wrong. No, 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 I know it exactly would be a lot. We mean. just we didn't didn't really know each other that well because I knew you um, through trivia and I knew you a little bit through Mike and we podcast like and we always got along really well but like you know at a certain age it's just you just you talk to someone then you just you may never talk to him again yeah but absolutely. when you like reached out to me I I was like so happy <laughs> like I was like oh my god because I don't have a lot of friends around here because I didn't grow up here yeah. like a lot of my social network and like and all the people I know now are from my my uh, wonderful employment and I don't mean that sarcastically like I I've also gotten a new job that I'm very very happy in. But a lot of my friends are people I work with, like you know, like Laura and Matt and all them. Absolutely, like, like I fucking love those. Like, it's nice because we all work together, and now we don't work together, and we're all still like good friends. Yeah, so it's, it's really sweet. It's, it makes me happy. It's always so hard to do that, but man, it's so it's rewarding. Hard, yeah. But like when we started talking on Facebook and hanging out, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I wonder if I was in therapy because I would like recognized a good thing and then got nervous. Like, oh, I don't. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. I can't do it. So maybe it was we were both at that good spot in our lives where like you had the intentions to reach out and I didn't do my normal push away. Yeah, it's. I noticed many relationships I could have had because someone expressed interest and I'm like, eh, hands up, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Same uh, way. Yeah, it's. This is scary. I know. It's. You just. I don't know. You 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 let a lot of stuff go and. Yes. Looking back, it's a very. It's a sad sort of thing, but I mean, knowing that you can move forward in the future and at least like, yeah. not keep doing that to yourself is yeah. very. But then you don't nice. know what your life would have been if it did, if it what would have, you just never know. Yeah. So I try to and like I just turned thirty and that would have been like something that would have made me collapse or um, depressed and with going to therapy and it's multiple things. It's I do have to say like going to therapy is not going to change or cure you. It's uh, the step. It's a tool. To, and all the work, as my my uh, my mental health or, or my therapist says, like it's about like, I'll give you the tools, but you do have to do the work, right? Which so it's not like you went to therapy and you're everything got better for you. It's like you did the work. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, mean, I. It's an olive branch. Like someone reached out, like you reached out for help for yourself, and then you took it. Um, I have a question. Uh, does your therapist like have emotions when you talk to them? Um, a little. My therapist, like, if I say something like a success, like, she gets, like, really happy. Oh. It makes me feel so good. That's adorable. She's like, Chris, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and, it, and it is really nice. And it's not like that, what I expected, that Freudian lay on the couch and talk about your mother. Yeah, you, it's just like a normal conversation with, like, a professional. Yeah, my parents don't come up nearly as much as I would have expected. It's not, not these like stupid diagnoses. It's like, mm, well, you have oral fixation and you're in love with your mother, your Oedipus. It's like, it's, I don't even know. Like, like the one I go to is very hippy dippy. Of course. But it's not, di- I, don't, I'm not I, don't, I don't take any medications. I, I just didn't want to unless I have to. Um, I just don't have to. That's fine. Right. I'm, I'm actually all for medications. Oh, yeah. I, I think there are people who need them and there's a lot of people who shouldn't be on them because. Profit driven, blah 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 blah. Right. I mean, I, I will say I am on. No, that's. But okay. I'm on. I mean, I'm on some medication myself, and yeah, um, yeah. Like once, 
once I started noticing that it had kicked in, all of a sudden, like, like, like the sun was brighter. It's a crazy thing. And I think that's a big fear for a lot of people, too, where they think that, um, because there's sort of that persistent myth, which I think is from um, old, like, less refined medications, that they're going to change the type of person you are. I still kind of have that thought. Yeah, it doesn't. And like, it doesn't. Not even a little bit, no. And I think that's, for me, from that movie, A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. But, of course, I'm thinking of a man who is extremely schizophrenic, who is seeing people. Right. And yeah. that's not me at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately, like, it comes down to the fact that back, you know, 70 years ago, they would just, if somebody was, like, going bonkers, they would just give him, they would load him up on, like, Thorazine, and he would be a zombie for the rest of his life, and that was just what they did with you. But nowadays... You know, you, they start you off on a very low dosage. They see what it does to you. And if it doesn't work out for you, they're happy to change stuff. And I feel more like myself than I ever have. And I don't notice a difference because this, this version of you is the version I've always met of you. So maybe it's making you more of yourself. And then the yeah, depression is not really what you would like to think. I don't really would. I, I never you know saw you were depressed when you were depressed. Yeah, that's it. So if, if anything, I feel like it's made me like slightly snarkier because it's made me more co- confident in. Yeah, like, well, good. In, like in snarking at people. You deserve it. Exactly. Screw everyone. Well, no, it's good. It didn't change your person. I think you're still Nate. Or you're the Nate I've always met. Like funny and snarky or whatever you want to call it. You just so that's nice to see that it didn't change your personality. You're just you, except you're always you. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of you and then not you. Yeah. And, and we all go through like ups and downs. I think that's absolutely. the difference. And like like when Robin Williams died, um, I don't really get real emotional about celebrity deaths, but if I, I know it would have triggered something in me because like I'm very sensitive to suicide, but now I talk about it a fair amount, which I know might be the irony of the shift you listen to the show enough, but um, you have to deal with things because they always bubble up. Like not dealing with losing people, like just, yeah, it's, it could screw you up. I forgot what I was saying. Yeah. Oh, Ron Williams. Um, I think it did bring a lot of attention to it, and I saw everyone gets re- people were so nice online. Everyone I knew was so sweet about it, and they're like, "I wish he reached out for help," or "You've done all these wonderful things," and it wasn't this like maybe there's some this how could someone so happy be so sad misconception. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great thing because I mean I think that this time period is just a really great time period to like be dealing with a lot of these issues because yeah actually this this is always a this is a funny statistic because i um i remember hearing just some 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 jerk online talking about how um you know the they thought that our generation was like weak because oh everyone's depressed now everyone everyone's depressed oh everyone's got anxiety everyone's everyone's whining but you and and you know their point was like you look back at um, at our grandparents the people who fought World War II none of them ever taught and never had depression well an interesting statistic is that um, one of the most common symptoms of depression is backaches. Which is the strangest thing, right? Huh. Like, I guess it, it just brings, like, any small aches and pains you have, like, to the fore and magnifies them. Wait, so depression can be a physical thing? Yeah, it can I cause... I did not know that. Um, it has to do with the fact that, like, it's not making you feel aches and pains, but it's the fact that, like, when you have aches and pains and you're depressed, and then all of a sudden they start hurting more because, wow. you're, because your brain just, like, zeroes in on unpleasant things. Oh, and, wow. Um, so the instance of people um, going to their doctors over backaches in the 1950s is identical to the instance of people going to the doctors for depression now. 
Wow. <laughs> you literally just blew my mind. Slam dunk. Motherfuckers. What's up? Yeah, I feel like that generation, they were all fucking miserable. Yeah. Like when you, I, I don't really watch Mad Men. I watched the first season, but like of that style of people who just don't talk about their feelings. Yeah. I, actually, one of my favorite quotes is from Modern Family. I saw, they go, oh, well, the, the kids are like, you don't understand. They're like, mom and dad's parents didn't say anything to them, so they'd say everything to us. <laughs> or, they, or their parents didn't talk to them about their feelings. Now they talk to us obsessively about their feelings. Yeah. Because we came from that generation of our, our, the baby boomers who did the opposite of what their parents did. Yep. Yeah, that like strong, silent, like Gary Cooper type, as Tony Soprano says. Yeah, I, I really wish I could remember the comedian who said this, but there was, um, he had this, th- he was, um, God, I really wish I could remember the name. But this one comedian was um, had this bit about how, um, or I think it was John Mulaney. Oh, I like where, him. Yeah, his special on Netflix is awesome. Uh, where he's talking about how he um, he grew up in an Irish family, and he's like, the way Irish people deal with their emotions is like, well, you have feelings, and you don't tell anyone, and then one day you die. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much how people have been dealing with it until now. Yeah, and it, it, that doesn't end well for people. Not like that so great much. scene in The Departed, it's like, if you want to be the one to end this, it's got to be you, because I'll, I'll, I'm Irish, I'll let this go forever. Yeah, pretty I much. I can't do a good Mark Wahlberg voice. William Costigan. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> got to go to Wahlbuggers. <laughs> I've heard, like, from listening to... Um, I actually heard a great quote about podcasts. It was like from Doug Benson. It's like, podcast is something you listen to. Podcasts are something that you listen to, but your friends don't want to hear you talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty great. Like, that doesn't stop me from talking about them, mind you. Yeah, not, just, not yeah. at all. Yeah, of uh, But like WTF with Mark Maron, like almost every comedian comes on. And it's like, and I took care of myself when I was worried, what if I'm not funny anymore? <laughs> like, but that, like, but that, it's just, it's, I think one thing I love about uh, the podcast that I, the community of them that I listen to specifically is just like hearing people that you kind of know and have this weird relationship with and then getting to hear like who they really are. Like Robin Williams was on Mark Maron's podcast a few years ago and I remember listening to that episode and when I heard he had committed suicide, I was like, yeah, that's sad. I wasn't shocked. I wasn't blown away. I knew Robin Williams was a drug addict and he was an alcoholic and he had been dealing with depression his entire life. And, I knew, but before that, his perception was Hook, the genie from Aladdin, like, yeah, I mean, wonderful, funny, funny, funny guy. Then I was like, yeah. And that's why I, I like hearing, like, men specifically talk about being sensitive or things sure. that I you mean, don't hear other people talk. I'm like, we could talk about this? <laughs> I feel feelings, too. Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so rare to hear, like, to hear guys opening up about yeah. a lot of the stuff that's in their lives. And, like, the, the camp I worked and went to, Hope With Heart, wonderful organization, uh, we used to, like, a group of us when I was a counselor, even like as kids, we we're all that was like the best. I felt like the best we always ever were. Do you want more water? No, that's cool. Oh, okay, uh, and um, but I remember like my favorite moments at night. We'd stay up, you know, when you're like a kid and you have a sleepover. I'd look forward to that moment of like when you stay up too late and just talk, and your guard comes down, and you guys just share everything. Oh yeah. Here's my origin stories and why I'm the way you are, and you would never know, like, because I feel like there's always this. We get raised that you're always supposed to have like a facade of here's who I am, but really I'm sensitive and I feel things and this happened, this hadn't happened. Yeah. And I, I wonder how that's going to affect this new generation with like the internet. Cause I felt like I remember like creating a MySpace and my MySpace was trying to reflect the best version of my personality. 
and then I'd have to make say you met someone like you talk online, and then you would have to meet in real life, and it was like reintroducing yourself. Yeah. Oh my god, it's yeah, it's an interesting question because on the one hand, you know, people talk about how everyone in you know our generation to a lesser extent, but like people younger than us, they just share everything, and it's oversharing, and you know, Twitter, everyone just it's like here's what I ate for breakfast today. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there's when you when you never have to deal with anyone not through a screen, like when do you ever see people yeah. when they're not at their bre- at their best? Do you think oversharing is good? I mean, um, I think there's probably a, it's a two side a double edged sword. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of there's a lot to uh, there's a lot of negative things to be said about the about like the noise to content ratio when people are posting about what they had for breakfast this morning. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there it's the internet's making it possible for a lot of artists to get seen. Like, it's so yeah. easy to get your work out now. So many ba- like new bands, so many so many people selling their art. Yeah, and um, I think it's like creating kind of this new, like a new artistic revolution. And I think that yeah, that's I wonderful. mean, this is art right here. I mean, art is anything, and like we're creating content right now for sure. Yeah, we're exactly. not going to profit from it. We are content providers. We're content providers. And even when we like really started the show, the thing I really was banking on more than anything. Which it's kind of changed, but still, like I was more con- obsessed with the experience of the recording, and then everything else. I was like, I don't care how it goes. But now I, I, I still value very much the experience of the recording. But now I do like the all the other stuff too. I like to see where the upcoming downloads it gets, and marketing, and like bringing new guests and trying to build something, and having like. A, it, and it's a lot of fucking. It's a lot of fun. It's so much fun. I really. Oh, yeah, this is great. It's become a passion project that I just absolutely love, and it's been. And I don't know what to compare it to, so I always think it's doing well. Um, I guess it's like, like a radio show. I guess, yeah, I'm like, oh my god, this episode got over uh, 200 and something downloads. This is some huge success. And then like Nerdist probably gets a million, but I'm like, well, they had Tom Cruise. Yeah, I had John Tumalo. Until we're booking Tom Cruise. Yeah, and, and I don't plan on booking Tom Cruise. I don't really yeah. care. I just don't care about Tom Cruise. Well, he doesn't believe in mental illness. <laughs> That's true. I, I I think one with Rob. Uh, a lot of people are like, we need to take bigger steps to depression and mental illness, which I totally agree with. But if you look at the past of how it once was treated, we have come very far. Oh, yeah. Even but since like the 70s, we just need been to go. In, like an unbelievable change where all of a sudden people are treated <laughs> instead of, uh, yeah. instead of like being sprayed with hoses and left in a, and in like the hallways. De institutionalized. I also think we have a lot. Um, oh, there's a lot of ground to cover. So, yeah, of course. But, but I like, I mean, of, I think my own experience kind of illustrates yeah. that, like, you know, people listened to me, and it was, and they didn't just say, "Okay, here's some medication, have fun." They, there was, there was, an, it was an effective, comprehensive treatment. My yeah. argument for like conserv- fiscal conservatives is when we invest our money into people, mental health, education, or whatever. Let's say your particular experience. You didn't get locked up and thrown into a state state institution. You got the help you needed, and fiscally, you went back to your job and continued being a taxpayer to the system. Like, in a weird, kind of horrible way to look at it, like, in that argument to pull it to... Because, sadly, mental health and anything good is always the first thing to get cut. You getting help selfishly saved the state hundreds of thousands of dollars. In fact, you're now a surplus... Absolutely. I know it's a really weird way to look at that, but no, I think no, that's no, I the argument mean, no. to like we should cut these budgets. But like when, like I work in mental health, for, I'm like a community service provider for people. 
people have jobs and lives and families and they're part of the community and that's a per- surplus for the state. Like the state spends X amount of dollars on these services, but in return you're getting people. For sure. I see what you're saying. No, you don't like I know exactly what you're trying to say. I know it it's can like come off insensitive. Um, no, 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 not at all. Um it's like the the um the what's it? Costco versus Walmart. Yeah. Um it's like Walmart has um, more stores than Costco. They're a bigger company, like in terms of geographically, they're bigger. Um, they and they're known for just being absolute garbage to their employees. Yeah, and they're less profitable than best than Costco. Really, they, they make less money than Costco, even though Costco has fewer stores. I didn't know and that. Pay, and they pay their workers more and give them more benefits out of the company coffers. Really? Yeah, because That's so great. Because people because when you work at Costco, you're more likely to stay with the company, you're more likely to take the money that Costco provides and put it back into the company, mm-hmm. and you're more likely to be <laughs> that hor- I wonder if that horn's going to stick up. They're just going to work on that horn, aren't they? Is it honking or a car alarm? Um you can never tell. It could be both. Um, it sounded a little bit like it was both. Yeah. Um, I didn't know about Costco, but um, that's yeah, amazing. Like, people who work at Costco are more likely to like climb the corporate ladder, mm. and these, the company makes more money that way. And, I mean, the same argument applies if you want to bring it to, like, a political thing and say that, you know, we have to justify the spending of a budget on, like, sick people, on mentally ill people, on education, that kind of thing. Then look at it that way. It's an investment. When we invest in people, they're more likely to give, to re- give us a return on our investment. Yeah, invest in education. Invest like I know like uh, a lot of tech companies are really pro immigration reform, uh, largely because they want to take the best and brightest. And right now, those best and brightest are coming from other countries. Yep. And then instead of having them move back to their countries and starting the next Facebook. Keep it here. Yeah, absolutely. Give us the next uh, renaissance of the new economy. Give us sell. So I have a cousin who works out in Silicon Valley. Actually, love her to death, and so I ever talked to her. She always tells all these great stories. But like, I mean, the way Google. Um, I just read a thing today that like tech companies give provide more maternity leave than any one any other company in the country. Even Rhode Island just passed some really great law. Um, for both maternity leave and it's like caregiver or something. So if you have a family member or a loved one or have a child, you get an extra six weeks paid away from your job. I think that's kind of to advance the aging baby boomer population. Really? It's um, really great. Like even when we were talking about the thing with Costco, did you read about how Starbucks is now paying for people to go to college, like through university? Yeah. It's, um, of Arizona. It's, yeah. Online. It's, um, I, as far as I understand it, it's mostly business classes because they want people. To, oh yeah, they want people to take that money and then climb their their ladder. Brilliant, but yeah, I think it's a great brilliant. idea. I it's, saw Howard Schultz talking about it, and he's like, "Our government is not going to do it, and we're prepared to invest in our employees." And that it is, but he's open about it. It is an investment. We will invest on yeah, our employees, I mean, and they will pay. It will pay us back. Like that's that's the point. I always the the thing I always have to make. I can't speak. That's the point I always have to make when I'm just dis- when I'm discussing stuff with more like fiscally conservative people. Like, no one's doing this because because the, they're like gushy liberals. Nobody's doing this out of the goodness of their own heart. Yeah. They're doing it because they're businessmen and because they want to see their money again, and that they yeah. know, and they know that this is the way to do it. I mean, say there's X amount of dollars. Don't you want that money to grow and become bigger? Exactly. Like, and the Wire even sh- what I love about especially that first season of the Wire is not has the drug where it failed, but 
all of that money and resources that goes into the drug war could have gone elsewhere. So instead of overfunding police's, police departments or in Baltimore, uh, lack thereof, that could have gone into the education of those kids who turn around that make the next big company that produces manufacturing so-and-so and things like that. Absolutely. But then with... It was actually, I think it was Bill Clinton was the one who signed away all manufacturing jobs in his time in exchange for the new economy of, uh, of like tech stuff. But I, I don't know enough about that, so it's not worth getting. Yeah, I, getting into. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not really There's a get really great it. documentary called uh, "Rip Remix Manifesto" about copyright infringement. Uh, Girl Talk is actually kind of the focus of <laughs> of the uh, the film. Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime and like Hulu, and it was you can free to, download, but incredible. Incredible fucking! I love documentaries so much, and I love girl talk. So yeah, um, we can switch. Uh, fucking, I hope. Have you ever seen Girl Talk? If anyone doesn't know, who Girl Talk is he's a mashup artist where he takes piece multi, uh, different sections of multiple songs and cuts it and rearranges it to make a new song, but recognizably, um, like fame. The the best part about it is that all of his albums are mixed as one long song, and they're free. They also are or free. Pay what you want, rather. Yeah, he's technically not. I think because of the copyright thing, he's technically not allowed to charge for them. So it's yeah. like a donation thing. But, um, but yeah, they're super cool. The, the 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 one that hit me the hardest that made me feel feelings in the first time I ever <laughs> heard him and fall in love is uh, I think it's off the Night Ripper album, uh, Juicy with uh, Elton John. Elton John. Yup. And you're like, oh, whoa. <laughs> and so that's a, a lot of fun. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know if I can even follow up. That was such a good conversation. That was. That was real good. Um, I'm not going to ask you the two last questions because I don't. Even, <laughs> I think. What, um, well, thank you a hundred times over. Of course, for coming on and just being so open with everything. Yeah. Um, that, Until that was, we edited it all out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's okay. I mean, I could not. And I've even I've had episodes that I record people and they just like, can you just not put it up? I'm like, okay. Because one of the amazing things about this project is it's not profit-driven, and the integrity of a guest is more important to me than anything. I want to sure. maintain relationships, and I want someone to come on and be happy. So, like, I even if it's oh yeah, I know, oh, I know, just kidding. But like, me and Mike recorded one where I said we we couldn't put it up because I was drunk. <laughs> it was it was terrible, and um, it's cool to see. It's nice. Um, people have come on, come back, and that always is nice. And uh, yeah, come back anytime and let's continue a friendship. Said it out loud. <laughs> Absolutely, man.